Hey guys, it's so good to be with you today. My name is Charlene and I'm part of the staff here at King's Arms. And if you haven't figured out yet, I am South African, as you can hear by my accent. And one of my favorite things about living in this country is the summers that we have here. I love it when there's blue skies, 23 degrees and a slight breeze, get the paddling pull out and put the meat on the barbie. And um, there's just something about enjoying the sunshine, but then it gets to a point doesn't very, happen very often where the heat just gets a bit too much. It gets a bit muggy and oppressive. And all we really need is a bit of rain. And those are the times where I can't wait for the thunderstorm to come in. There's something beautiful, exciting and terrifying about the thunderstorm coming in and changing the atmosphere as it brings release and the coolness comes and you just feel alive again. And, and I think um, there's something exciting about looking at a storm. We're going to be looking at a storm today. But the thing about a storm is that your perspective affects how you see the storm. So if you're at home in your brick house, all comfy and cozy, it can seem like an exciting event. If you're out in an open field and maybe you're stuck under a tree, then it's a little bit more terrifying, a little bit more vulnerable. And um, the perspective of where you are will then determine how you feel and see that storm in your life. So that brings me to today's text that we're looking at. That's in Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. You've probably heard of this um, piece before. It's a well-known piece. It's said to be an eyewitness account because of all the details in the text. We think Peter probably was the eyewitness, but we're not 100% sure. So look out for the details um, and, and just pay attention to those. I'm not going to cover all of them today. But the great thing about the Gospels is that it gives us a perspective of who Jesus was as a man, but also who he was as fully God. And that's a beautiful thing to see as you read any of the Gospels. Great. Let's look at Mark 4, 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. What a great piece of scripture. Um, there's something called a storm theology, which all of us probably have. And a storm theology is the way that we respond to God when a crisis hits or when a storm comes into our lives. For some of us, we might think, God, you're still good. And that might be your storm theology. And for others of us, it might be, where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me? And so how we view the storm can often reveal what's in our heart and whether we tend to go with faith or with fear in those moments. I remember when I was going through a storm personally, I had um, something called vestibular neuritis and a vestibular migraine, which happened about four years ago. I was leaving church. All of a sudden, I lost all sense of balance and was on the floor, got taken away by an ambulance. And the journey I went through was 
struggling day in and day out in weeks and weeks and months on end with being able to just feel safe, just being able to walk. It felt like I was always walking on a boat and I ended up spending hours and hours and hours in bed just lying completely still going, God, why have you let this happen to me? I just want to serve you. I just want to, I just want to do things with my life to glorify you. But it was in those moments of just lying still in bed when all I could do was listen to preachers. All I could do was listen to worship to help me get over anxiety, to help me get out of the fear and panic attacks. It was then that I met Jesus. And it was in that moment that there was a verse that stood out to me, which is 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, which says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And it was in that moment that I knew that Jesus was teaching me to not partner with fear and to know that he had given me power even when I was lying there doing nothing, that he was pouring out his love to me. I didn't, I didn't deserve it in any way. I wasn't doing anything to get his love. He was just pouring it out on me and that he wanted to still, still my mind from anxieties and fears. Storms have an incredible way of growing us and showing us more of who Jesus is. When we need him the most, we see him the most. So if we look at this text um, about Jesus calming the storm, we can look at Jesus' life and he's been fully man. He's exhausted. He's been preaching all day to the crowds. He's been sharing parables. He's been healing the sick. He's so tired. I'm sure there's many parents of newborn babies that can identify right now. Jesus is so ready to take a nap and he knows he needs to get to the other side because he's got a God appointment there. There's a man there who's oppressed with um, the, the demonic and he knows he's going there to bring freedom and to set this man free. You might remember the story as he lives in the cave and Jesus casts the demons into the pigs. So Jesus gets into the boat. There's other boats around him and he says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. It's probably a sailboat there in the Sea of Galilee, which is actually not a sea at all. It's a freshwater lake that sits really low down surrounded by mountains. So it's a, a perfect bowl for a storm. And in those moments when Jesus is sleeping, all of a sudden the winds pick up. Now, these guys are fishermen. They've fished on this lake before. They know that storms happen. So at this point, they're not too terrified. But then there's like a washing machine effect that starts happening. And, and the waves are coming over the boat. They're probably up to 10 feet high. They're at the point where they think they might actually die. And they've seen Jesus do miracles on the land. But they've never been in a position where he's had to save them before. So at this point, they're not looking for a carpenter to help a fisherman. They're looking for divine intervention. They're panicking, this pandemonium. They wake him up and, they, and then what he says to them, well, what they, what, sorry, what they say to him is, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Of all the questions you could ask Jesus, the son of God who's left perfection, he's left heaven to come and serve us and love us and give his life for us. We're asking him, don't you care if we drown? Doesn't that sound all too familiar? Jesus has given his life for us. Jesus don't you care that I'm not healed? Jesus, don't you care that I'm living in this crisis? Jesus, don't you care? But the truth is he cares more than anyone. Jesus then stands up and says, quiet and be still. That is one of the shortest prayers I've ever heard, but it's full of authority and power. And in that moment, everything dies down and the disciples have taken their eyes off the wind and the waves and they've put their eyes back on Jesus. 
Jesus is the one who loves them. Jesus is the one who rescues them and saves them. They've, they've realized that they've had orphan thinking and now they're seeing God for who he really is. They, the Bible says they responded with, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. They were terrified and asked this. It's a different kind of fear at this point. It's a fear of wonder and awe because they see Jesus as fully God in that moment. And that's what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We lose focus of who he really is. And so that inner voice, those inner lies start whispering into our ear. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus and see who he really is, he then calms the storm in us. I really want to talk about fear today. I feel like it's something the Holy Spirit has highlighted to me. And did you know that it is the most repeated command in the Bible? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. It's, it's mentioned over 365 times. It's like God had to give us one for every day of the year because he knew we'd struggle with it. And God commands us not to be afraid, not because he's making us robots that can't feel emotions, but because he knows the enemy uses fear to come and steal and rob and destroy, that we start believing lies that aren't true, that we start feeling paralyzed with hopelessness and anxiety and fear. And fear, if we let fear dictate us, dictate to us by external circumstances, then we struggle to respond in fear, it almost in faith. It almost robs us from the faith that we need. And when we look at Jesus, those things have to shift. Those things have to go. The reality is faith cannot coexist with fear and nor can love. Love can't coexist with fear. In fact, in 1 John 4 verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because the fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus wants to replace our fear with love. Do you know that he's a, a loving father? He's not punishing you. You don't have to fear his punishment or his wrath. He wants to show us his love and, and he's demonstrated us that to us by Jesus on the cross already. There is no greater way for him to demonstrate it. Fear is a crippling emotion. Not only is it spiritually crippling, but it's physically crippling. Did you know that it weakens your immune system, that it, it creates all sorts of problems with your heart and your intestines? And, and you ladies might want to know this, that it actually creates or accelerates aging. So that's one way to, to slow down and the wrinkles. But the enemy wants to come and stop us with fear. And he wants us to believe the lies that he wants to tell us about God. So when fear comes knocking on your door, why don't you try and answer it with faith and say, no fear, you have no pleasure because faith lives here, hope lives, lives here, love lives here. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, I'm reading the message version. It says, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. In Psalm 34 verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. In another version, it says, he freed me from my anxious thoughts. We've got a little girl, Caitlin, she's nine. And as she was younger, she used to struggle at nighttime when, when the lights were out, when it was dark. And she continuously come downstairs to, 
downstairs to my husband Dan and myself and say, I'm just, I'm, I've heard a noise or are you sure nobody's going to be able to come into my room and take me? Are you sure that I'm safe here? And so it was fear that kept her from resting and sleeping and we try and coach her through that. And, and one of the, the things, I don't know if you've seen my husband, he's a big man. I was like, have you not seen your dad? Have you not seen his muscles? Have you not, have you not heard the dogs when they bark when anybody comes to the door? And, and have, you, have you not... Have you not known that I'm here to protect you? And it was coaching her through the truth that we would do anything we could to keep her safe, that we were there to fight for her and protect her. And sometimes we we come like children, fear of the unknown, fear of the lies in our head. But our dad is bigger and stronger. He's even bigger than my husband, Dan. He's, he's, he's full of authority and he's full of power. And he wants us to rest and know that he is in control and that he is God. So the disciples in this situation are, are panicking. It's like some of us, we, we look and we crave safety. We want to be in a situation where suffering doesn't exist. But the truth is, there's nowhere safer to be than in the boat with Jesus. He's the safest place to be. And that might not make sense to us sometimes, but where God wants us, he will sustain us. His presence and authority is bigger than the storm in our lives. Did you know that we actually need storms? Physically, we need storms. I was doing a bit of reading on storms and they are created to cool the earth. The updrafts of the wind move pollution. Um, the rainfall washes the pollution out the air. Many continents would be dry without having the storms and the crops would fail. The storm distributes the seeds and the pollen that help remove the old and weak vegetation and allow new growth. Lightning liberates nitrates which fertile the soil and lightning produces 20% of the nitrogen to the soil each and every year. What if God wants to use the storms in your life? Doesn't mean that they're punishment, but what if he wants to get rid of some of the polluted thinking? What if he wants to renew your mind? What if he wants to fertilize the soil of your heart? What if he's got massive plans to grow you and to see you come into fruitfulness? When, G when Jesus looks at us and he sees that the storm came to take us, he comes to take us through it. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Don't feed your fear, feed your faith. Sometimes faith changes the situation, but sometimes faith changes the way that we view a situation. And not only does faith mean that we expect God to do something, it means that we trust him, that he'll do it in his perfect timing. Sometimes we're impatient and we need God to come now. And then when he doesn't come now, we think he's failed us. But there's something beautiful about trusting him and his timing because there's so much that we don't see and understand. There's a beautiful quote, simple. It says, in the meantime is where maturity is developed. In the meantime, when it's not yet happened, that's when maturity is developed. An absence of fear is not the absence of suffering, but it's the absence of fearing suffering. We get freed from that. So our thinking gets freed. Our heart gets free. Jesus stands with us in suffering. He is the one who suffered for us so that we could know him and live with him for eternity. 
I spoke earlier about the disciples' response, which was, who then is this, in verse 41. The question is described as one of, of great fear. Literally, they feared a great fear. In fact, it's the same um, response that was used to the angels at Jesus' birth in Luke, 29, in Luke 2, verse 9. Sorry, And the NRSV has correctly translated it into great awe. Romans 11 verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. This verse is stirring up in us a need to look at God in awe. I think if we are careful, we can get into routines about hearing stories and thinking, oh, that's great, you know, we, we can read the Bible and think, oh, those are great stories. But even this verse has got an exclamation point of it on the end of it. Let us not get bored or unmoved by the amazing things that God has done. When we hear stories, let's celebrate them wildly because God is doing amazing. Just read the Gospels and read them with a the view of what if God did that here and now? And you'd see that you'd come to a place of great awe and wonder. We need a right view of God, not an understanding of him. It's illogical for us to think that God is God, all-powerful, has all authority, when we expect him to operate in the way that we need him to operate, to answer our prayers in the way that we need him to answer our prayers, because his ways are above our ways. His timing is different to our timing. The awe of God leads us to worship in him, to praise in him, to trust in him, and to be more courageous for him. When we forget the awe and wonder of God, it can sadly lead us into a place of judging God, which is not our place. So we need to know who he is. And when that lie comes and tells us that he's not doing what we think he should be doing. We need to realize who we are and who he is. You just need to look at the verses we've been reading. And even in the last few weeks, Mark 1 talks about Jesus setting the demon oppressed man free. Um, in verses 1, 2 and 3, it talks about Jesus's power to heal sickness. We've just looked at how he overcame nature. In Mark 5, it talks about he um, heals the, the disease and he has power over death. I mean, all these things are pretty wild and pr pretty radical. And we could never do them. Only God could do them. And that leads us to a place of knowing that he deserves our all. We are to fear him in a holy way. He is all and he's awesome. I am... Um I lastly want to end on um, talking about praising through the storm. And I, I heard a story the other day which completely wrecked me. So I'm going to try and get through this. But um, it's a story of a family. It happened in 2019. It was the Lloyd family. They went on their annual 4th of July trip down to Holden Beach in North Carolina. So they went to the beach as a family with their cousins and there was a 12-year-old boy called Levi. He was swimming in the, in the shallow end and moments later, his father looked around and saw him floating, lifeless in the water. He ran to get him. It took him ashore. At that moment, he was still blue and lifeless. There was a training nurse close by. She ran over to give him CPR. She was thinking, this is hopeless. What are we going to do? The parents are praying and praying and praying. Just then, two other nurses walk by and they come and help again, thinking this is a hopeless situation. Then off in the distance, the mom hears this little voice getting louder and louder. And it's his little sister looking out at the sea, arms raised, singing, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I don't know if you know the song. <laughs> But it, it says the king is alive. 
the mummy's crying and going, sing louder, sing louder. Her little cousins join her and these little kids are worshiping God in the middle of the storm. Her brothers lying there laughless. And they are declaring and praising and worshiping God, saying the king is alive. It's such a challenging and provoking response. The ambulance comes, although it's a 45 minute drive away. By the time they get to the hospital, things are looking hopeless. The doctor's saying, you need to expect not good news. He's possibly got brain damage because of his lack of oxygen. The parents go, no, we're just going to pray. The doctor ends up praying with them. And as they transport the boy from the bed to his hospital bed, he wakes up and starts talking to his mom. Totally healed and restored. The parents look back at the story and they say, prayer and worship changed everything in that moment. He's faithful. I feel so provoked by that. Am I able to thank God? Not because of my circumstances or not even for the circumstances, but because of who he is, because his character never changes, because he is above the storm and he's with me in the storm. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Can we praise him in the storm because of who he is? Can we praise him in the storm because of what he's done for us in the past and what we've read he's done in the Bible? Can we praise him because he does work all things together for the good? It says so in Romans 8 verse 28. Can we praise him because we know that he's got a resolution even if we can't see it yet? The fact is that he is worthy of our praise when he takes pleasure in our praise. The angels and heavenly hosts are commanded to praise him. All the inhabitants of the earth are instructed to praise him. We can praise him with singing, with dancing, with shouting, with instruments, with our testimonies. How many of you think that's something that we need to practice? We need to be practice those, practice, practicing praise, those who practice praise. When we praise him, we feel closer to him. We feel more connected to him. In those moments of praise, we're pushing through um, into the Father's arms, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's not punishing us, knowing that he has good for us. Or are we those that push away in silence and withdraw and say, well, Jesus, if you haven't done this for me, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of community. I don't want to read the Bible. And we kind of hold him to ransom. But Jesus is saying, won't you give me, give me your heart even in the middle of the storm? Because when we give him our heart in the storm, not when the storm's over, but when we give him our heart in the storm, that is victory right there. That is perspective and that is faith. In Psalm 34 verse 1 it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In Psalm 42 verse 5 it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise in my salvation. We don't praise him because we, we feel like it, because you can still feel sad. You can still feel disappointment. You can still feel down. But that doesn't mean you can't praise him because we're praising him for who he is. In that moment, I love in Jeremiah 17, verse 14, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. And some of us are struggling with sickness. And even in the midst of that, we get to praise him in praise, worship and prayers. The victory is one. Victory is not just the other side of the storm. Victory is in the boat with Jesus. When we cry out with faith, with hope, with praise, we get to put our faith and trust in him and praise him in the storm. We get to close the door to fear 
This is how we grow and become big people who carry authority and become more like him. This is where we lean into him and understand that we are sons and daughters of a God who carries all authority and all dominion. Amen. I'd just like to um, close in prayer for you guys. I think what I'd love you to do is, if you're at home right now, if you just want to stand up, if any of this has resonated with you, um, for those who have carried fear maybe in the last season, for those of you that are in the middle of the storm, I think God wants to invite you in this moment to understand who he is, that you would know the awe and wonder of who God is, but that you'd also know that his love is coming to bring freedom to you and fear has to go. So right now, Father God, I just speak your love, your amazing love, your powerful love into the hearts of many today, Jesus, that you would bring freedom. Father, those that have carried fear right now, I pray that you would come and minister to their hearts, Jesus. I pray that you would come and minister to their mind and bring freedom to them in the name of Jesus. I pray that your love would rush in to wherever they're at right now. You know their story, Jesus. And Father God, I pray that they would know your presence with them in the boat. Thank you, Jesus, that just because circumstances aren't changing doesn't mean that you've left (laughs) You're right there. Father, I just, I pray that we would be people that practice praise. If that's something you struggle to do, maybe you're the person that's withdrawn. Maybe you're the person who's withdrawn from community, from um, your prayer time, from spending time with Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would soften hearts right now, that they would see who you are, Jesus, that they would be filled with awe and wonder, that you would lift um, their eyes to you, Jesus, that they would be um, those that uh, know that you are good in the midst of of difficult times that they would know that you are unfailing in your love Jesus that you are the miracle working God that you are the way maker Jesus that you are the one who sits on the throne and Jesus I just pray that even um, those that have struggled um, with, uh, with not understanding that you would help us just understand that we don't have to understand that doesn't change who you are so won't you bring freedom right now Jesus won't you pour out your love Jesus won't you come and heal and restore Lord we just speak to any storms right now and we say be quiet be still in the name of Jesus be quiet be still in the name of Jesus we just say when you come and calm the storms right now in Jesus name amen